You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Friday edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, where your mind and your ears are about to get orgasmed. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen <laughs> in that in this episode, G- dudes and dudettes. I am happy that it's Friday. Uh, I am on my way right now. When you're listening to this, I'll be in a car heading west on Interstate 80 to Des Moines, Iowa, for a weekend full of youth baseball I coach so me and the other coaches are going to hopefully coach these kids to a state championship we we have been placed in a pool there's like three pools in our age group we are at the bottom pool which means we're not the best teams but we can still win a state championship in that pool so what I'm getting at here is we, we do actually have a possibility of being the best worst team, if that makes sense. So I'm really looking forward to watching the kids play, motivating them, getting them jacked up and, and watching them go out there and perform. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward in the next couple of weeks to getting my trail cameras out. Um, one thing that I've been messing around with, or I'm, I'm going to be messing around here with this upcoming season is going to be mock scrapes. So I'm really looking forward to setting up some mock scrapes, really trying to learn how deer use them. Uh, hopefully the deer will use them. And then with the end goal of a deer coming to a mock scrape, within shooting range of me and that way I can uh, I don't know I can get in there and, and almost use it you know I use it like a bait pile right it, it's it's a place that deer come in they use scent they leave us you know it's just like scrape hunting I get I should say it's a better a better description of that but I'm really looking forward to uh, messing uh, around with that uh, I've got a new partner on the on the podcast on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and that's Code Blue Sense so they've sent me uh, a couple kits, uh, mock scrape kits, along with some other stuff that you guys are going to be hearing about, hearing more about um, in the upcoming months and weeks. So uh, they have a discount code too that I'll share with you uh, next week as well. And so I'm really looking forward to working with them and getting those mock scrapes out and using their scents. Now, uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Jeremy Dinsmore from the Antler Up podcast. And uh, on this episode, man, we're going we're going to discuss our uh, some of our fall plans with an emphasis on summer scouting and a, a particular scouting mission that Jeremy's going to be going on here this weekend with another one of his buddies to think Ohio. He's going to be hitting a piece of public with the goal of deploying trail cameras and collecting info, just like all scouting missions, and then using that information to get out and uh, try to get, you know, 
use that information to make a plan and a play in the fall and hopefully get the job done and get uh, within shooting range of a giant white tail. So that's what this episode is about. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, I am going to talk about some products right now, right? Like I always do. I'm really looking forward to continuing my partnerships with uh, the companies that I have. But uh, let's get into today's products. Who do I have today? Who do I have today? Today I have Tethered, I have Wasp, and I have Vortex. And I would like to talk to you about these companies. First off, we'll start with Tethered. I actually uh, just released uh, today as well. I have released a hunting um, a hunting gear podcast with Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast where we talk about broadheads. Uh, and I talk about why I love wasp broadheads so much. So um, go over, give a listen to that. We talk, you know, I talk about the material. I talk about it's being made in the USA. I talk about how confident I feel with their heads and, you know, um, the, the design. We talk about fixed blades. We talk about uh, mechanicals and which wasp broadheads that I use. I'm a huge fan of the three-blade jackhammer and the four-blade for my fixed-blade option, like when I go elk hunting or I'm looking to take some longer shots, need a lot more penetration, I'm going to go with a fixed-blade, uh, and that is the Boss four-blade. So I uh, love, love the design, love that they're made in America. If you're looking for a discount code, I'd love to offer you one right now, and it is NFC20, and that's 20% off of uh, your order. So you... You know, it's not, it's simple math. You order a hundred bucks worth of uh, wasp heads, you're going to get 20 bucks off. So uh, go check out wasparchery.com and read up on all, all of their, um, uh, their product line, their, their fixed and mechanicals. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, tethered. I just got the new tethered lockdown in the mail. Uh, I'm looking to mess around with it. Uh, I just got, um, so this kind of all ties together. I just got a new string put on my bow and I got the new saddle, so uh, I have to adjust my sights real quick, but then I'm gonna, I have a tree in my backyard, and I'm gonna start shooting out of the saddle, uh, and I'm just gonna you know, do reps and reps and reps. I have, uh, I wanna say, a dozen, uh, 14, 15 arrows that I've collected throughout the year. They're all the same. They're all the same weight and whatever, but I'm gonna start shooting out of the lockdown. I'm gonna start doing some setting up and tearing down with the lockdown. I really like the lockdown because of the pockets that are on the side and that way I don't have to dig into my pants pockets I don't have to dig into like coat pockets all the stuff I need to set up my bow ropes my uh, bow hooks all that stuff is going to be in my pockets and I, all I got to do is climb up the tree and uh, pull my take that stuff out of the out of my pockets as I go so uh, go check out uh, tetherednation.com and uh, read up on the lockdown take a look at it and if you're a saddle hunter man go maybe give it a try so uh, go check out tethered last but not least vortex optics man um, I am gonna next week not next week but the week after let me pull my phone up here real quick Next week, next week, next week. Here's my calendar. Not next week. Okay. The week of the 24th, I believe, I'm going to call that Vortex Week. So I have banked a couple really good episode uh, episodes with some guys at Vortex um, and a hunting gear podcast that's going to come out. And it's full of all of the new equipment that has been released within the last 365 days including their new triumph hd a very affordable podcast perfect for the whitetail hunter you know east coast whitetail hunter uh, i have them in my hands right now and they are built with vortex quality uh, and they're i'm telling you what for 100 bucks it's an absolutely excellent excellent a pair of binoculars so go to vortexoptics.com and check those out while you're there read up on their vip warranty uh, read up on their spotting scopes rifle scopes red dots range finders all that stuff uh, vortexoptics.com and that's it for today uh, as far as commercials i really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about these products because ultimately they pay me to keep this podcast free 
And uh, that's how, you know, that's how this works, man. So I appreciate it. Uh, Let's get into today's episode with Jeremy Dinsmore. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please go leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and uh, share it with your friends. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go with another uh, content provider on the Sportsman's Empire, Mr. Jeremy Dinsmore from the Antler Up podcast. Dude, welcome back, man. Oh, thanks, Dan. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you and obviously record a podcast with you. So appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Hey, just real quick, and, and I'm sorry for the people who can't see this. You're listening to this, just the audio of this. But if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, you see this, this coffee cup with the snowman on it. I yep. don't it, It's my grandma. She's she's passed away, uh, you know, a handful of years ago. And I just find myself drinking coffee out of this this cup the most and yeah. so it's weird it's the middle of summer and i'm drinking a christmas a christmas coffee well it's kind of like those ones that uh you know they're a little bit bigger they could hold more coffee yeah. has the kind of wide mouth to it i i know what you're saying yeah. I, I my wife and i we have about two each uh of something similar like that yeah yep all right uh how's your summer been this far man who pretty busy dude to be quite honest with you um you know going off of kind of like what we chatted uh, uh, last time about was, you know, being a school teacher, but this past spring was a pretty cool situation for me where I did not coach. So I had a good amount of time to get out and scout and actually went on some turkey hunts uh, tagged out here. I only had one tag here in Pennsylvania. I didn't buy the extra tag. So opening day had a cool, cool morning. Uh, It was ugly raining. And then in the Uh, right before Pennsylvania opened up, I was in Ohio and that is where I had a really cool, cool trip with a friend there. And that first morning, man, the birds were hammering. That kind of led into, into my summer right now where I just been hanging out with the family, but getting things done around the house, the honey do list just seems like it keeps growing and growing. And uh, after I check it off, so doing that, working out, planning for, for fall is in full swing right now. Uh, and we're gonna get a, we're gonna get into that a little bit more. What uh, what's on your schedule for this fall? So for this fall, um, there is potential of of doing an early season Maryland hunt, being that I am pretty pretty close and kind of yep. the same individual who I went to Ohio with. He and his, a couple of his friends have gone the last couple of years and just have a blast, see a bunch yep. of deer. And I was on that invite list, so I I might take them up on that. I may not do like a bunch of consecutive days. Might do like a. a either a Friday or Saturday. Like, again, I'm only about two, two hours for what it takes me to go from central PA to Northeast PA, where I mainly hunt some private land, the big mountain back at home. It's the same distance where I could go and meet these guys and hunt Maryland. So it's kind of like, why yeah. not? I do it all the time for that. So, uh, man, I've had, for, I've yeah. had, sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. I, dude, I've had some dudes on here from Maryland and there's the, the way they talk. It's almost a little bit of a sleeper state. They got yeah. the they got some good soil up there. They got some decent ag. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who hunt it, but if you can find the right areas, one guy shot yeah. like a hundred hundred fifty inch eight pointer. I think he said he was ten miles off the coast uh, wow. in like an ag field, like a ag timber kind of mix swamp yeah. swamp type deal. Yeah, but I, I I think a lot of people don't realize how much ag is actually in that vicinity because yeah. I've hunted I hunted Delaware for an early season two years ago, and that's all that that is there. I mean, it's flat and there's just a ton of ag. I mean, yeah. there's it, it, you know the woods is it's pretty, uh, you know it was a definitely a different situation as far as a hunting trip goes for for me. I've never hunted any type of terrain features like before, so it was it was kind of eye opening, and I would like to go back to Delaware one day for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so with early season kind of maybe being Maryland, um, I obviously Pennsylvania and then for sure Ohio and then potentially a little rutcation trip out to Missouri. Mm-hmm. So that, that will be with some some friends and I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting that one penciled in. And if all things go well and and if, as far as Pennsylvania goes, if I don't have the opportunity or or don't need to basically go full bore for uh, rifle season. I would mm-hmm. like to, 
if if Ohio does really well and I don't need to go back to Ohio, then a New York trip would possibly, or if Maryland does happen, maybe I'll just go back down to Maryland in, in November. So the good news is I got options. I have friends that I have, have hunts planned in all of those states. So it's kind of like I have that opportunity to kind of hopefully maybe pick what I would like to do. What does an ideal you know, you're talking about New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, yep. Maryland, right? Uh, you know, traditionally, those are heavier pressured states. I mean, obviously, you're on the East Coast, right? Or, you know, eastern yep. part of the Mississippi. Um, and, you know, Missouri, Missouri would be a little bit different there. But when, let, let's say, let's say I decided, hey, I'm going to, I want to be in your back pocket all fall long. What should I expect from going out east and hunting those types of states? Yeah, so as far as like with me personally or just in, in just general? just in general or with you or whatever. Like yeah. if I'm if I'm gonna go hunt the east coast, I mean obviously uh I live in the best whitetail state here in Iowa, but I mean what should what would I expect? Set 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 my expectations up so I'm not disappointed after right. I leave it. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I I really do not hunt any ag. Mm -hmm. So I am I am as green as green gets when it comes to you know understanding that. I mean, I I would go into the timber, look for sign, and set up kind of in in that situation in that uh, if that presented itself. But coming along with me would be hunting the kind of the the mountain, the big woods here in Pennsylvania. Uh, I never really hunted uh, Maryland before, so I really wouldn't know what to expect. I would kind of that trip would almost in a sense, be a, let's go hang out with friends. Let's mm -hmm. go make experiences and enjoy the company that I'm with and, and have fun hunting and kind of put right. that experience on for that. Um, Ohio was new to me this past year. Again, I, you know, it's funny because I've had a lot of friends go out there and, and be successful over the last couple of years. And they just say, especially from here from Pennsylvania, because we talk, Oh, the big woods, the mountains, and then you go out to Ohio and, and it's, very similar but very high, rolling hills and the terrain is is very similar and demanding in a in a whole different way so mm -hmm. i think you know it's not as cookie cutter you know in all these spots that you would really think being on the east coast it it does offer wide you know different vegetation and and uh, as far as that terrain features go of of um you know what you're going to expect of being in the big woods of elevation changes and all that type of stuff so i mean coming out here it's it's uh it, it's definitely a, a whole different experience than I think of hunting your typical ag land or, uh, or just your bigger pieces of ag where that will be mm -hmm. uh, higher, bigger acres. And then your smaller plots of timber, if that makes sense. Yeah. So are you guys hunting like acorn ridges? Um, oh yeah. On edge on swamps, like lower yep. wetter ground, things like that. Yeah. That's the one aspect of, especially this past spring that I've really tried to get better at was, you know, finding those thermal hubs where, okay, we're, we're seeing how the sign is down there and then kind of drawing and painting a picture of mm -hmm. what to expect, like where those deer are coming from and going to basically, whether it be a bedding food source and really find Like I found a near where I live here, a really cool, it's actually near where I kill my Turkey. Uh, it's a thermal hub where it's not necessarily a narrow point. So I really think I'd be able to hunt this area come whitetail season because it's more of like, kind of like those bigger, like you're a bigger sea basically. Yeah. And the way I would, I would hunt, obviously if I would hunt this area, I would hunt close to the Creek because then that way my thermals are getting pulled in that Creek system. Uh, but you know, it's just things like that, that I never really took the time, I guess, to really put a lot of my stock into just mm -hmm. because of my time and, and other efforts, uh, basically what I was going with. But now this past spring, this summer, I've been getting out at least two to three times a week, uh, even during the summer, just going out and exploring kind of verifying things that I've checked out in the spring. So, um, yeah, I mean, Creek, Creek bottoms, big mountain woods, uh, you know, swamps areas. It, it's kind of, I'm trying to just get as much knowledge under me right now and, and continue to grow as, as a hunter and, and, and as an individual too, right now with all that, yeah. man, that's something that I miss doing. Like, yeah. Uh, let's see here. My son's, my oldest son, his baseball season is going to be over, uh, this weekend really uh, is, is the state tournament. And so he's going to be going to that. And then 
this coming week, then it, my my daughter kicks off like a fall type softball league. Starts in August or it starts August, September, October, and so the issue that I'm running into is is like I used to love scouting, and I used to scout like I used to shed hunt, uh, where I would leave in the morning. And I would be out in the woods all day. I mean, to the point where I was checking, th- sitting in one spot for a while, checking what the thermals were doing, you know, seeing yeah. what like what the wind was doing and, and things like that. And I just don't, ha- I, you know, I hate to be the ex- like to make excuses, but I just don't have the time for that anymore, right? right. I, I want to dedicate my time to actually hunting, so I gotta scout on my feet, so to speak. But, but that's one thing, man, I really, really miss uh, was getting out there and just putting boots on the ground all all spring and all summer. Yeah, and I will admit too, Dan, I mean, prior to this year, I mean, I just turned 36 years old. I hunted, uh, you know, I, I, I would say I'm your typical traditional Pennsylvania hunter. Grew up doing the whole rifle season like with, with family and, mm-hmm. and, you know, at a young age when I was 12, I did, I mean, I think I was about 10 when I received my first art, you know, my first bow and I, I archery hunted my whole life as well. But at the same time, it, as far as like the tactics of what we are being able to learn now from podcasts, videos, just, you know, everything along those things, we, we could really digest a lot of it and, years prior i mean i would go out here and there it wasn't like a big deal to me if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so this year uh, with what i have going on in my life it it has allowed me to get out a lot more than i ever have before which is cool and and i'm very fortunate for that and it's not like a i i hope it in the end it really translates into me having a good season right but you know, you always hear some some people, the people that are out there putting in the time and the effort, they're the ones that are always successful, which is great, you know, And but I've seen also the other side of it where mm. these people run themselves ragged, ragged and yeah. It, yeah, you know, they're just constantly chasing their tail. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things uh, with a purpose, right? Mm. Like really, really do it. And I'm, and again, when I say I've gone out, I mean, I'm, I wake up now, I've made it a point that this summer, instead of sleeping in, I get up early, I get a workout in and I'm, I try to be back home even before my wife and my daughter get rolling basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, so these, these aren't like a full day trip. This is like, Hey, it is one spot. And what I've been doing is I'll go on a mapping service and I'll do like a predetermined track. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then that way I'm, obviously i'll deviate from it if signs tell me something different or something catches my eye while i'm there but i kind of have a predetermined spot and and track to follow that way i'm on yeah quote unquote track with it if that makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah i'll tell you what i think uh obviously the you know here's here's how i rank it right springtime before the vegetation grows in that march time frame is the is the by far the best time to be out in the woods but if you can't and you're busy any time is better than no time in the in the timber so i can remember the the periods of growth that i had as a bow hunter were spent scouting almost all year round when i was single when i didn't have kids you know and yeah. and there was a couple of years where uh like my job was even off and on like I got laid off from a job so then I started working landscaping and I I was off you know I didn't have to work I just told the guy hey I'll I'll show up today or I don't want to show up today and I get you know I get I get to work when I want and so like when fall hit man I was collecting unemployment <laughs> and and just bow and just bow hunting but the, over that course of time and just spending so much time in the woods is when I gained all my knowledge of some of the current properties that I hunt and just hunting terrain in general is where, mm-hmm. is where I learned. So, man, and the thing about it is I don't get, I used to get jacked up about velvet bucks. Whoa, there's some crack and thunder. Um, yeah. Velvet bucks. I used to get, but then as I, as I get, gain more knowledge about whitetail in general, I learned that most of them leave or they, mm-hmm. they transition to new ranges. And so, uh, I don't like, I love checking trail cameras. I'm about ready to go do my big trail camera push in the next couple of weeks and get them all set up for the fall. But, but 
I don't get excited. I just love looking at the pictures, but I don't, it's not a guarantee anymore. Like, oh, this buck's going to be around in the fall because usually they're not. Yeah, that has, that has changed for me too drastically because it, over the years where my dad and I really hunt back in Northeast Pennsylvania on the mountain, we would set out a couple cameras and we run them all year. Mm -hmm. We have the, we have the opportunity again, that it's private. Like you do have trespassers and everything like that. So, but at the same time, my dad actually just talked to me about it the other day and we're there's a big nine from last year that we know we got on camera at in february long story short we've yet to get this buck on camera during velvet and we never honestly we we get so many more so much so many doe and bear compared to velvet bucks that it's like i don't honestly i used to get so worried because i'm like where are the bucks where are the bucks dad like there's no bucks up here and then you know it's no october 31st november 3rd and the, you're surrounded by bucks and you're yeah. like what where, where are these bucks coming from and yeah. so oh you know I, like you said you you learn as an individual and as a hunter so like now i honestly like you said i i'm i'm about to start i have a, a list of especially local areas where i plan on putting a camera like i i have a couple out but i don't have kind of like you said the big push and back at home historically all the good ones are are still out where they are and then there's a spot or two where i would still like to put out another camera but it's it's funny how you do learn and grow because again in years past i would be freaking out right now if right. if i was not getting that velvet picture and then boom then they show up basically right right what's the you know, you said you hunt a lot of big wood stuff. Talk to me a little bit about when things start to get rocking and rolling in the big woods. I mean, do you waste your time doing the early season thing if you got something patterned, or is it pretty much every year the same thing? You know, that's a great question, Dan, because last year was the first year that I could remember that I actually had maybe an opportunity. I wouldn't say a pattern, but knowing that a deer – multiple bucks were showing up closer to that early mm-hmm. start season for for me where i hunt it is that october time frame like in pittsburgh area and philly area you do have that early, like two week cushion that you can start in september so i don't hunt any of those those areas but where i was getting pictures from i want to say september late august all through september dan and it was like leading up to it and it was a i think it was like three days before the first day and one of the nice big bucks he i'm not a good scorer i would say he was definitely for sure 130 plus Mm -hmm. and he he day he was daylighting like every single time he was coming through he was daylighting and not just like oh by the skin of his teeth like it was just random times it was 7 30 in the morning it was two o'clock in the afternoon it was 530 you know what i mean like he was he was in that that area he was close yeah he was close yeah so uh last year i kind of put all my eggs in that basket and it kind of burned me it did burn me and so i did go in like that second weekend because uh that first weekend the wind wasn't right and i just wasn't comfortable doing that mm-hmm. going in right away right then and there um but typically i man i typically i would spend those first two weeks like trying to go build that freezer with the freezer queens you know what yeah. i mean i would just go out hunting scout a little bit more and i mean to be quite honest with you i never really got fired up about a buck until that middle of october when it would start getting those cold fronts and things would start changing a little bit just because in my years past i've never killed a buck prior to october 20th right. <laughs> basically right you know right yeah, man, I, that's one thing that I am so intrigued by. It, uh, and the thing that I probably think the most about throughout the entire year is deer behavior and when when doe groups tend to go into rut or uh, yeah. into estrus and, and yep. when what the what the rut actually means. My my definition of the rut has changed over the years because I used to think the rut was the first two weeks in November all the time. Now, it's almost like I, I'm more concerned about doe groups than I am about rubs or scrapes or a, um, a buck's 
uh, core area, maybe even like terrain features. So one thing that I, I personally am looking a lot at is, is dough movement. And if there's Mm -hmm. a consistent dough, like over the, over the past, I want to say three, three or three to five years, I've really been hunting doe groups first and then trying to maybe break away off that pattern to go find an individual buck that might be running that, that same circuit. But when you get into this late October time frame, this early November, which I still consider the pre-rut, you know, mm-hmm. yep. then like the does are going to dictate what the bucks are doing. And if you can get, if you can find, and this is me personally, if you can find a, a doe group that is so close, but they're not coming into estrus, the bucks know that. So they're in the area basically staging, laying sign down, waiting for the, the uh, does to come into heat. And if you can catch them right at this, like, this peak, like it's almost a tipping point. If you can catch them at that tipping point, you can call them in. You can you can be in the right spot, um, and and they I don't know man it, it, you're gonna see more deer more bucks because they're gonna be downwind set checking them maybe not chasing them yet but they're gonna be in the area. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with you. And last probably honestly that last time I was on the podcast with you uh, regarding last my up last season mm-hmm. that is one of the the aspects that really happened to me because it was that yeah it was the halloween weekend and i was coming out i hunted an all-day friday sit it was like the 28th or something along those lines whatever that friday was i i hunted all day into one spot because that's where i was getting picture of the big nine and i had good wind all that stuff slipped in i had a doe early morning but then at night when i met up with my dad on the two track to leave we kicked out a doe and a buck was kind of harassing her a little bit. And the next morning he was going to Penn state to go tailgate with my younger sister, who was a senior here at Penn state. And I stayed back to, to hunt. And my original plan, I wanted to go hunt the different side. And that went out the window because I was like, man, just something the way the, the, that doe and that buck was acting like it, it just wasn't your typical, harassing like hey you know Mm -hmm. that you see like it just seemed a little different so that morning i literally went right into that spot and i was covered by deer i had a the piebald which is again my my the opportunity that i messed up on last year he came up to a call so i called him right into me just i didn't close this close the deal on him no shot off or anything and then later on in that early afternoon you know, it sounded like trees were falling all over because a doe was what already came in and she was running and she had four bucks on her tail with, you know, in 10 yard increments from each other, just chasing after that doe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was wild. It was an experience. I was so happy. I was able to, you know, see and be in, wish I could have killed a buck at the time, but at yeah. the, at the same clip, it, that was like you said, that was that tipping point. And then my dad was off for that whole rest of the week and he was, you know, he was, surrounded by bucks exactly what you said it's just it's crazy how it works out yeah all right i want to get into this out-of-state trip uh is it maryland is that where you're ohio ohio okay so you're getting ready to go to a property in ohio out-of-state hunt for this fall that you've never been to before and you're going on a scouting mission uh what this this upcoming monday and tuesday yeah correct okay all right Talk to us a little bit about what you're planning to accomplish on this scouting mission. Yeah, so the the main plan is it's it's in the general vicinity where I hunted turkey uh, this past, like uh, turkey season this past spring, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not that specific piece. So I've been doing a lot of e-scouting. Uh, I have two other friends that are going to go with me as well. One of them will be hunting with me when I go out to Ohio. The other friend is just coming just to be hanging out and have a good time. But the main goal is, you know, one, make sure that the piece is going to be already one, not pounded with cameras everywhere and all that type of stuff. But just see what we see from 
the mapping services, whether it's, you know, Spartan Forge or Onyx or whatever, you know, we have a bunch of waypoints that we already predetermined, predetermined that we want to go check out and just see how it looks, right? Yeah. Like get that boots on the ground. Um, it, realistically, I would love to, you know, deploy at least three cameras mm-hmm. amongst for myself. I know my friend Tim, who is, is going to hunt that with me, he will have a camera or two as well. Um, and kind of really bounce around. Like we have two full days that we want to go there. And really the goal is to accomplish is do we have a, a spot now where maybe we could make another trip either next month before the season opens up just to do a camera check one or yeah. two, verify the sign that, that we saw mm-hmm. that we feel confident enough to come in there and actually hunt because the way we the way we have it set up right now, the plan of attack is you can hunt on Sunday there. So that's that's foreign to us for mm-hmm. Pennsylvania because we only get those three. So our goal is on a Friday after work, drive straight out there, sleep in the truck, wake up and hunt Saturday and hunt Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in all honesty, Dan, we just want to go out there, find maybe the if we if we find that pinch point on the mapping service. We want to confirm that if it is not, then where is that pinch point that is not on the mapping service? Are there little micro benches? Like what's the, we want to find some, obviously I'll set up some mock scrapes as well. Um, I'm, I'm a big scrape guy. I've, after talking to a bunch of people over the last two, three years and getting Intel, getting pictures, I want to just see as far as inventory goes. Mm-hmm. I know we just said earlier, you know, these deer do disperse, but, you know, some do stay, some still stay a little bit local. And, um, you know, hopefully that's the, that's the main gist. We want to be able to hopefully find sign that is going to allow us to, to hunt there. There, there's about three different pieces that are within a 35, 45 minute drive circle radius. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so hopefully we can, you know, if, you know, like when you get to a spot where you just either going to say, okay, we need to spend time here. And then you're like, yeah, "Yeah, this isn't it. So, you know, we're going to look at access, look at our entry exit routes kind of situations of, of, of that, how that goes and hopefully find some good, good core spots. Yeah. Uh, Out of curiosity, what uh, mapping service do you use the most to do your e-scouting? I use Spartan Forge because I really like on the computer uh, I, I mean, on my phone, it, it does it really well as well. But on the computer, I just really like the 3D mm-hmm. uh, aspect of it and just being able to really dissect that. I mean, that's honestly, that's helped me out a lot, even here in Pennsylvania, because I could look at it and I have a pretty good understanding. And then when you throw that 3D on and you're like, whoa, OK, this is exactly right. And it is really accurate just because of places that I've been and, and yeah. you know, it just kind of like make sure. But um but yeah, that's Spartan Forge is, is mainly the one that I use when, especially when it comes to, uh, you comes when it comes to the computer. Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've heard, I haven't spent a ton of time on it, but I heard that their map, their digital imagery is really crisp and, and you can zoom in yeah. quite a bit on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And that's the one, that's the one aspect that, that I really, I mean, there, I mean, Bill does a great job and the prediction stuff like that's, that's all great. And that's just like, I feel like that extra piece, mm-hmm. but that's the, it, to me, the imagery is what yeah. sets it apart for me, just because you could then go back to if, if they have the, depending on the satellites where, it, where a satellite image is located in certain sections of the world, you could actually change the time and date mm-hmm. of it. So like you could see what it was, what it looked like in the fall. Yeah. So then it's not just green right now. And then uh, what's it look like come, you know, November, if that's when your trip is going to be. Yeah. And that's huge, dude. Like yeah. being able to like, okay. So if, if you're just using, I, I guess you would say uh, Google maps, let's say, oh, I only use Google maps. Well, you're, all you're getting is green and canopy cover. And so it's really hard to find edge. Um, it's really hard to, to, unless you know what color a tree is, like maybe there's a one big giant oak in all these little trees that might be, you know, right. that, that might help you. Uh, and unless you have topography that goes with that, you're not going to find terrain. It's going to be very hard to find edge. And so you're basically just guessing at that point where, right. where things are. And so when you add topography to that and you add the ability to, 
um, take vegetation away and look at, you can look at shading, you can look at um, drainages. Then, then, and here's one thing you mentioned that um, I've had to learn certain, the closer the contour lines are, yep, yeah. the, 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 well, the steeper it is, but the more data you get out of that. And those, those like, let's just say on the one property that I'm talk that I hunt or that I used to hunt, um, the contour lines were, were far apart on some of the, some of the previous things that I used. Right. But so that didn't tell me that there was a, like a spur Ridge coming off of this. Right. Or, or if it did, it was very subtle, but it was a, hu- right. it's a huge, it's a huge, um, terrain feature in the woods because it meets up with this edge. And so it's something that I had to find, but on closer contour lines. And if, if, I don't know if some mapping service allows you to choose the, uh, I don't know what the, the, the term is, but to have closer contour lines that can tell you a ton about subtle yeah. terrain features. And yep. usually it's a subtle terrain feature where deer like to, to move. Yeah. And that's exactly Spartan Forge does allow that Spartan Forge allows you to go to like 10 feet increments to 20. So oh, they do. that's the awesome. one. Yes. So that's what I've been able to do. But like how you were going back, like you, you brought up a good point and you know, my mind was going squirrel there earlier when like some more things that we're really going to key in on, you know, and it's something that I've been doing here is seeing if there's like that isolated, uh, acorn you know mm-hmm. trees or like for your white oaks or red oaks or um like the the one aspect that i learned this past spring visiting ohio was just how thick and nasty that green briar really is it's yeah. just it's everywhere so you know there's cover in almost every like the, the spot that i hunted turkey there was cover absolutely everywhere yeah. and i found like this deer trail that uh the buddy that i went with we were walking and i was just kind of I killed my turkey already at this time. So my mind went from like turkey to immediately to whitetail at that point. Right. So I'm like looking like, how would I hunt this? So I'm asking him, like, you've hunted this for whitetail. Like, where, where are you setting up? And, you know, there weren't a ton of ag locations around. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, these, it it did remind me a little bit of Pennsylvania. So, you know, we just really want to again, go back see what like how deer are using these the terrain features how like what like if, is there a pounded pounded trail going through x cover is there like yeah like i said isolated uh oak trees if there's a lot that would be great if it's mm-hmm. only isolated and they're dropping a little bit they might be gone by the time we get there so like maybe you could already rule that out mm-hmm. by the time we go there in middle later october mm-hmm. time frame so there's like little things like that that I think, you know, could be overlooked, but I, I'm, I'm hoping to hopefully get accomplished while we're out there uh, is to say, hey, like this could be a good spot or, hey, we need to keep keep trekking. Yeah. So when, when and the, the hard part is, is you won't know that until you come back <laughs> get <there. laughs> to, to get there, right? So yep, yep. it's almost like unless you're scouring large swaths of land, you know, it sounds to me like you're, you're going for what two days to scout or is it four days yep two two days two two full days to scout two full days of scouting right you're going to go into the areas that you've already e-scouted and when you get there there's a risk right the risk is there's a ton of other stands in there there's trail cameras the the veget like it the layout of the ground just doesn't look that well you know it doesn't there's no old sign all that stuff so so talk to us about what the backup plan then is if you go and scout, you think it's good. You hang your trail cameras. There's no data, right? When you go back yep. to check them, then how do you how do you adapt and 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 uh, come out with a new plan of attack after that? Yeah, I, I think you know you whether if you listen to podcasts now or from dating back when when uh, you and Mark were hammering back in 2014 and stuff. It's you know it's always to have those great. A, B, C, D, E, F, G type plans, you know, and, and, and be able to pivot on the fly. And I think too, it's a, this is a great opportunity for us to kind of look at maybe an, uh, an overlooked spot, right? Like I, you know, and I think obviously, like I was saying earlier, there's chunks that are, are enormous Mm -hmm. and then there's chunks that are, are not, Uh, I mean, I'm talking less than a hundred acres, that is those spots. I definitely want to at least take a look at as well. So, yeah. 
I just think being able to, if, if we come back and it's not what we really want it to be, it's, it's okay. Like I said, I, I, we really wanted to be in a designated area that at least within an hour driving distance, we could get to certain locations. So, um, you know, in a nutshell, it's like, if that were to be the case, like you said earlier, what you, you've learned to do a better job of is since your scouting time has been decreased is scout when you have that chance as you go in hunting. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's even a philosophy that I know a lot of people do here in Pennsylvania because of, you know, pressure and, and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, really the backup plan is just going to be able to at least look at those underlooked spots that could be really overlooked by other hunters mm-hmm. or be written off or what does this, what's a, what's the around the surrounding property as well? Is, right. is it some private and, you know, it doesn't hurt to knock on some doors just to ask or even call the, the game commission and just say, Hey, like, listen, you know, here's where I'm coming from. I only have this amount of time frame to hunt. You know, I'm, I was looking at this. Could you give me any type of Intel good bad yay nay anything along those lines yeah have you done that before so i did when when we were planning our trip out to utah and it's just you know and and i wish it it it's kind of funny because originally like just to not go down that rabbit hole when you look on the map right and at that time it was only like onyx and hunt stand and a few other and at the time i was using onyx a lot and you look and you're like, oh man, this looks great. Like mm-hmm. we're going to backpack in. And then literally when we got there a day before, we had a full day of scouting to be able to do before the opener mule deer season. And you, we learned cl- quickly that, I mean, it was like, um, uh, UTVs galore yeah, side by sides. And we were just like, okay, well, we're camping at our truck on the road and we're going to drive and glass from the road and maybe get to a spot spot and, and go from there like it's just i wish we would have known that aspect like that wasn't a question that dawned on us to ask when we called out and then luckily day one happened and we didn't even we got out we were glassing we didn't even have our bow in hand because we we're kind of near the road a little bit just checking out a spot and uh the game commission individuals came came by the game wardens and they're like you can't can't kill a mule deer without your bow in hand. We're like, yeah, like we know, you know, we're just glassing a little bit and we we're asking them a couple of questions here and there. And they, they pointed us in a good direction. We ended up driving a, another hour and a half West to get to a better little spot that was still within that, that unit basically. Okay. That's good. That's good. Man, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> you, you mentioned going out West and how it could be difficult. One thing that the East coast really doesn't have to worry about is like uh, cattle grazing, especially on like BLM or, or grasslands and, or yep. things like that. And I, so here I am, I'm e-scouting going, oh my God, this this spot looks spectacular. There's water there. <laughs> There's cover there. You know, all of the, the drainages have these little trees and they're perfect for bedding. And you get out, you get out there. And you're just like the it's grazed down to the dirt. There's absolutely no like all the vegetation has been stripped off out of the it's all gone, eaten by cattle. And so I get out there, I'm just like, oh my God. And then you literally have to start completely over and try to fit hunt in hunts in as well. So the first couple of years that I've done that, man, I was getting frustrated. Like I, Mm -hmm. I the it wasn't the first year, it was maybe the second year when I went by myself. I just felt like all I was doing was driving from one spot to the next spot going, okay. And I was even trying to go, okay, this spot's a little smaller. Maybe it's overlooked. Nope. Grazed down to the dirt. Nope. Grazed down to the dirt. And so it wasn't until I had, you know, I had to find some spots that through research, you know, that the cattle have to be off of this particular piece of private by this particular piece, this time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the longer that time is, the more likely deer are to move back into the area. And so I was, I, uh, it was a very frustrating and learning experience. And then you, the only way that you can learn is to go through that. Right. Uh, you yep. know that, okay, cattle are going to be in here. It's not worth my time. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when we were out there, that was the one aspect obviously was brand new to me was, was the cattle. I don't know how many times I was just tucked in somewhere under a little bit of piece of shade glassing and I would hear something and I I got all excited. You know, it's like, like the cattle were the squirrel of of, of what they are for us. And I'm like, 
dang it you know but yeah, yeah that, sure. that was that would that's a whole d- different beast out there it uh, I, I would like the my buddy tim who i will be coming out scouting with me and who i had the opportunity to to go to utah with he's gone out west a ton of time and you know i i know for a fact how much that helped him be even a better whitetail hunter and yeah uh, of, of, of of going out west and he's completed he's tagged out on uh by himself on on elk on mule deer all by himself like maybe and packing them out by himself doing a couple days trip in and out just to retrieve the meat and stuff like that dude's a killer yeah that's awesome man all right um so then let's say you go back now and Mm -hmm. you get good intel your trail cameras so are you gonna are you gonna be using cell cams so my guess is where we plan on going, we won't have cell service. I will have two with me just in case. Yep. Uh, I, I will have that opportunity in a nutshell. And this is, again, this is where I know it's that whole debate. Are, is it legal? You know, is it you know ethical? All that stuff. This is where for me being a school teacher where I can't take a ton of time off, yep. all that type of stuff. This is where I really am a pro uh, individual when it comes to cell cameras because yep. it's not in my backyard, right? I'm not chasing this buck that's right in my backyard where I'm trying to pattern them and go kill them. Like yeah. I don't even do that even back at home, right? You know, because by that point in time they're already gone. Right. You know, what, what's, what's the matter? So for me, I think this will uh, at least confirm that deer are in the area and or individuals in the area, right? Mm-hmm. Like if this is a, if it's on a heavy beaten trail and I and it's dude left and right, then, okay. Then I know that's area has been pounded and not to hunt that. So I will have some, some cell camera with me. I'm hoping that there will be service so I could use them. Uh, but if not, then just regular cell ca- or regular SD camera. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So let's say you get some service. Nothing starts to show up on the trail cameras that makes you uh, excited, right? Yep. The good thing about that, is that you can now start planning alternate methods, okay? But if something does show up on there, then you're then you're like, okay, now what's the next step if, you know, on that property? If if cell camera data, or if you have the ability to use a cell camera, if you start to get good intel, uh, like what's the next step in the prepping and planning for that? that particular location yeah so i think it will even go back to why i placed that camera there right i think in years past so i'm kind of gonna i'm going to go even further back then and and i used to just place a camera because i'd be like oh that's a great trail let me throw up a camera Mm -hmm. or um hey look at there's a bunch of rubs in here you know and, and now when i put out a camera i i certain things need to be checked off the box, right? Like I, I, I just don't throw it up anymore. So when I go out of state here and I go out scouting and this area will have to have, um, you know, the cover nearby, it's going to have to the sign nearby. It's going to have to be in, a, in an area that, you know, we could obviously actually hunt it or at least hunt near, near in the vicinity because that camera might be telling me hopefully like hey if the deer's using this and we think the preferred food source is going to be in x you know distance we could come come up through the bottom or obviously this is an example and come cut them off and hunt it that way right so 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 access routes access routes right so yeah so I mean, so if we get if I get the the picture that I got or and it makes me happy from there, it's going to be coming up with that game plan of solidifying and verifying that mm-hmm. we could hunt hunt that specific deer and then going in uh, and and coming up with hopefully the game plan that the reason why we set it out is because we already had a predetermined game plan going in. Right. And if you know, that's that's kind of my philosophy, like new. I don't want to say new, but it's kind of like I said, years past, I would just throw it up and like, oh, then kind of come try to come up with a game plan, whereas now I'm coming up with a game plan right then and there so then that way if i need to pivot in that in a game time situation i can and it's not going to be a total one you know total mind screw yeah yeah well that's good man Uh, and, and then so what happens when 
you go check your trail cameras. It, let's say you can't use cell service. You go check mm-hmm. your trail cameras. Obviously, if there's deer showing up, then it's, hey, it's good. That's a good thing. We can implement the plan that just went there. Right. But now, what happens if the, the data from touched. the trail cameras, there's nothing there? Yeah, so then from there, I think it's going to look at um, – so maybe – pull up a maybe there's an area that we looked at that we weren't really thrilled about and we did not hang a camera yeah but it's on that same property maybe go check it out maybe deer are using that other side right maybe deer are using that or you know then it just turns into like hey this is we know it's a good area let's just continue to scout our way in and and hopefully find the sign that we're looking for and if not then move on you know what i mean i i just i think the the old the old ways of of my style of hunting, I would have just, I would have been like, well, something's got to have to come by, yeah. or, you know what I mean, and 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 hope for hope for something like luck, may, maybe lucky, I could get lucky, but, man, I I've I'm tired of doing that, and I would I'm just going to go find that that freshest of fresh sign that I possibly can, and if that meant instead of hunting that weekend, it turned into a scouting trip weekend, and I have to come back the next weekend, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now tell me, um, how, many, how much time can you dedicate at a single time to this hunt? So I think the way we're going to do this at a single clip is a two, two to three day. How many, how many hunts? Oh. Um, Morning and afternoon. We're at least up to six to eight okay six to eight so you'll you'll you're gonna leave on a friday afternoon yep and then you'll hunt you'll be able to hunt friday afternoon saturday morning saturday afternoon uh sunday morning sunday afternoon that brings you to five and then yep the next morning yep yep and then potentially another day or two in in between okay so you'll be taking some vacation time Uh, yeah okay all right so so four days yeah, yep. that, that's pretty good. I feel like you can mm-hmm. make adjustments and, and locate something and move in for a kill in four days if you yeah if you it's, if you move around a lot. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like I'm going to, I'm obviously I in a perfect world if the wind if we're looking for a west wind and that's exactly what we're getting. Great. If it's mm-hmm. not, you know, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive and uh, and and try our best to to hunt because obviously we're there to hunt. So I I don't want, I don't want to be a little bit cautious. I want to be a little bit more aggressive with that. And if we bump deer, we bump deer. Right. Right. And kind of, kind of, kind of go from there. Uh, and, and that side of things. And, you know, that's the other aspect of talking to individuals, having the podcast is just, just seeing what works for, for you, you know what I mean? And, and not everything is always going to be your, your bread and butter or your something that you could really, uh, put to to use, babe. You know, right away. But I yeah. think for these out of state hunts, you know, you can use a lot of what certain people are doing. And because guess what? In the grand scheme of things, I'm going to learn from it. And, yeah. and in this in this hunting game of since I started doing it since I was 12 years old, I've learned more from my failures, and I failed more than I've succeeded in this game. And that's, that's what keeps me yeah. coming and wanting to improve and get better and like you said earlier you didn't know about the whole cattle thing until you actually went out there and and experienced it right right like i i feel extremely confident in my saddle hunting ability uh, of maneuvering around a tree and last year with the piebald situation i should have just done a weak side shot Mm -hmm. instead of hoping this deer would have gone to on the deer trail like all the other deer were doing and to be an easy chip shot uh, 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 to my strong side. Mm-hmm. But instead, I was stubborn and I was did that when in reality I probably had enough time because I'm really efficient with a weak side shot. I could have pulled myself up, done it, and that deer, I could have at least had a shot. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm tired. I like for me personally, Dan, this was a really great off season for me to learn and grow mentally uh physically and as a hunter and i'm, I'm anxious to to get out there and, and and uh you know and to build upon that i feel like my turkey hunts i know it's only turkey and i, I prior to the season i really didn't get fired up for turkey really at, at all it was just kind of a thing to do but man i felt like the way i hunted these hunts 
for the turkey is going is kind of like a really good leeway into my whitetail season. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I'm pulling for you. Um, I'm interested after you get back from your hunt, maybe, or your scouting mission, what I'd like to do is maybe get you back on for just a quick segment and you can talk to us about what you found, what you learned in this short period of time, and then how you plan to either go in on that area or adapt and went and found, found another area. So 100%. yeah 100 percent. love to do that well i tell you what man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh talk with me about this upcoming season and dude dude i don't know about you but i'm starting to get freaking excited like, yeah yeah I, like, I just have to take the steps to go get my trail cameras out and then what happens is my cell cams are going to start feeding me like a fire right the yeah. excitement's just going to get bigger <laughs> and bigger and bigger and to the point where i'm just going to be like like vibrating you know what i mean so um man if i know we'll touch base again but good luck this upcoming season man and thanks for hopping on dude i appreciate it dan thank you so much for everything and there you have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the books huge shout out to jeremy for taking time out of his day huge shout out to the partners of this podcast tethered wasp vortex code blue the woodman's pal and huntworth uh I really appreciate these brands working with me. I'm looking forward to potentially kicking off some new brands here. I'm work. I'm always working on that and uh, sharing, sharing, uh, sharing their story with you guys as well. Uh, other than that, uh, I appreciate each and every one of you, and I I mean this with all due. Like I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I hope all of you find success this up um, upcoming season but don't rely on luck go out there work hard get the job done and then let me know whether you fail or or whether you succeed and we'll talk about it on the podcast man so good vibes in good vibes out and we will talk to you next week